0: The Dad Ass Podcast. Subpar, mediocre at best. Podcast just trying to figure out this whole parenting and adulting thing. One drink and one conversation at a time.
1: Hey, hey, and welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast. Completely unscripted. Oh, you know what? I don't do this as good as you. But you know what? I wouldn't <laughs> have to. <laughs> if you actually showed up
0: i was not able to be a part of this episode
1: that's okay though um you know we had a really good time um i don't know steve did a pretty good job so you might be on the outs i know you started this but he
0: he is better looking
1: he really is yeah i mean i don't want to make this awkward but
0: when we make the jump to video yeah he 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 certainly okay but when we make
1: when we make the jump to video though like if we're thinking in that regard i feel like i'm the obvious like out on that one you got a prettier face than i do
0: yeah but you know all the back end stuff
1: yeah he did a great job though so um we'll have to see you know um one of us is leaving i think i mean there's just no way
0: for for those of you who maybe are listening for the first time my name is matt (laughs) Sean and I do this podcast. I usually do the intro. Together, we run these interviews, and I screwed up the schedule. And We you weren't were, able. We were so unbelievably excited to be recording with Steve, Addy, and Brittany that Sean led the whole thing, and I'm just simply here to listen now.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, as you listen to it, um, this interview, um, you're going to listen to it unfold, um, you know. Just like everybody else,
0: and we're just super excited to be able to share with everyone how this advocate for change and the partnership with Pluie yeah. uh, came to fruition, and hopefully will make some change.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I really, and I mean this like wholeheartedly. I feel so, um, proud to do this, um, you know, work on this campaign. I so, feel so fortunate to have partnered with you, um, as we like really, um work towards impact in our community. Because, um, you know, we've, we've said in, in some of our other interviews, um, you know, in various other places, when we've actually been the, the people being interviewed, that our goal was to be more than just a couple of guys sitting in the basement talking about nothing. And, and um, this is, you know, uh, the podcast's, like, first real, like, dip into community impact and community change. And yeah. I think that's a really cool thing that we're working towards um and so yeah i'm i'm just thrilled for everybody else to sort of listen to this episode learn a little bit more about pluey um and and sort of what we've got going on and those sorts of things um so yeah i hope um i hope you as as someone who you know unfortunately wasn't there also enjoy this episode Mm because we had fun making it yeah well let's get into it then so um, I'm super excited, I know that um, you know you and Matt are super excited to uh, to have Addie and Brittany with us from Pluey, um, our wonderful partners um, in our Dadvocate for Change campaign. Um, and so yeah, they've been such wonderful partners for us or with us, and so um, we wanted to sort of have an opportunity to talk with them, get to know them a little bit, hear their story all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah. So that's what we're gonna do tonight.
2: Um, how are you feeling about this? Steve? Oh, feeling great. I'm happy to be back on the on the podcast. It's been uh, about a year since I since I joined oh, you guys yeah. on the podcast for the first year. time. So, yeah, it's exciting to be back. And and this is my first time in the speakeasy. I feel very honored that I'm. Oh, yeah. I finally made it to the speakeasy here. Yeah. Um. D- how, what are your thoughts on it? I'm a little blown away. Uh, I'm a little speechless. Um, there's a lot, to, lot to see. Um, I feel like there's a lot to learn here too. There's a lot of literature on the walls and a lot of bottles to inspect. But um, I'm, I'm happy to be here. This is truly an honor.
1: Oh, well, you're welcome anytime. Also, you should feel super honored. You're the, you and one other person are the only guests that I've not made. Um, give me a. a a password to enter (laughs) Um, (laughs) normally when you're a first, no, this is actually true. When you're a first time guest to the speakeasy, I I send you a literary clue and Mm. you have to answer it before you're allowed to come back.
2: Um, well, that makes it a legit speakeasy.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, are you trying to say this is now not legit? Because
2: <laughs> I mean, in your defense, I feel like you 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 had a lot going on before I we sat down, and on. yeah, I don't know how much we you know we want to share or talk about, but just the fact that we're we're here now uh, and settled is is a good thing. So I I won't hold it against you. Oh, thank Plus, you. I, I'm a first timer. I'm, I'm guessing you'd go easy on me for the, for my first time here. Uh, reasonably easy. <laughs>
1: um.
2: So, well, actually,
1: since we're talking about the speakeasy, let's um start like we always start, which is. Um, I made you guys a drink, and um, so I come up with drinks quite a bit. Um, sometimes a name hits me, sometimes it doesn't. This is one of those doesn't things, and typically when it, when it when a the name kind of escapes me, um, it, something will be said in the episode, and then we just name it after something randomly funny that sort of is said in the episode. So I think this is where we're at with it. Um, but I want to describe this to you. So this is for Pluey. Um, so what we've done is done, uh, a riff on a classic daiquiri. And I mean like a good daiquiri. I don't mean like that crap that you buy, like the jug of sugar water with like flavoring to it. <laughs> no. Um, this is a legit daiquiri. So, um, but, um, with a very different twist. So we have a company here, a distillery here, um, called Noble Cut here in central Ohio. And, um, one of their more flagship products um is actually lemon cello and grapefruit cello. Um what makes this interesting is that typically lemon cellos or grapefruit cellos um are lower in A B V. Um there's clocks in at 80 proof, which is forty percent. Um uh. which is the same as what the bare the the bare minimum of of um Bourbon has to be. So this is not like a, you know, a low end sort of situation. Um, So what we've done is taken a grapefruit cello and two ounces of that. And then we've got a half ounce simple syrup house made because friends don't let friends um, buy simple syrup because people, (laughs) it is just equal parts sugar and water. Steve watched me make it. It's in the microwave. Like you don't even put on the stovetop and then a half ounce, um, fresh lime. But where it gets even more of a twist is, um, uh, you can age or you can infuse spirits over a week or more, um, to, to impart flavor to them. And you can use a lot of different things or you can cheat, um, which is what I did tonight. And I, um, have a whipping siphon, which can be used also to make like whipped cream and all those sorts of things. Well, um, I put that the uh grapefruit cello in with dried mango. So um we've infused that uh grapefruit cello with mango and um I can wrap do what is done in two weeks in about a half an hour or less. Um you pressurize it. There's a whole lot of science that goes into it because it like literally like forces the alcohol and the liquid into the pores of the fruit and then when you rapidly discharge like discharge that pressure then it sucks it all out um it's kind of cool um and yeah so before we started recording i did depressurize it in front of you um full disclosure it got all over my shirt (laughs) um so um but you know what we're here now um so yeah steve how are you feeling about this what do you think
2: Oh yeah, it's delicious. It's delicious. Yeah. I've, I've got I've got dueling drinks here. I yeah, mean, that's I, true. I, what I, else I, are
1: you? So I also let you say, hey, you know, pick anything you want off uh, in the in the place, and would you go for it? Yeah.
2: Well, right above me is two separate bottles of of Michters, and that's kind of my my go to bourbon. So I I went ahead and and got a small pour of that. And so yeah, now I'm I'm double fisting on a Monday evening. So I I suppose I'm I'm doing okay.
1: There are worse things to happen.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> right.
1: So, um, yeah, that's what we've made in Pluie's honor. Um, I don't know what, what's going to name is going to come from it, but, um, just as a descriptor for anyone who's interested in trying that uh, again, you could do the same thing that I did over a longer period of time. Um, you're going to catch like a lot of that grapefruit. You're going to catch a lot of the, um, mango. And then, cause you're adding that sweetness of, of simple syrup. Um, there is a little bit of sweetness to it, a a, a reasonable amount of sweetness, um, definitely on the sweeter side, but then, um, that lime's going to kind of cut through a lot of that. Um, so yeah, I hope and maybe that...
3: something French, like a French name because Pluie oh. is French for rain.
1: Oh, I did not. Oh gosh. Keep that
3: in mind. I didn't even know
1: that, man. Not only did they come up with a cool invention, but they're so cultured and refined. I feel like we're <laughs> just a couple of schmucks
2: talking. <laughs> well. I... I mean, now, now you've got me curious and maybe this is the the natural segue or the unnatural segue. Like, uh, you know, we want to start talking about you guys and, and Pluey. Um, I, I, we never asked you guys about the name, or at least I don't recall that coming up in any of our conversations. So like, why, why, why Pluey? Like, why was that the name?
4: Yeah. So good question. Cultured, we're not, I, uh, I dropped out of college to attend uh, culinary school, and so uh, no one thought that was a good idea, especially over 15 years ago when being a foodie wasn't really a thing as what it is today, right? So there was no social media. Really, if you went to culinary school, it was to become a cook and a chef, and, and I just wanted to go because I wanted to work in the food space, um, but I actually said to my parents that... I didn't even really wanna work in restaurants. So it was a very big risk. I took uh, leaving a traditional educational sort of uh, trajectory. I was, a, I was a very good student. So it was very surprising to, to people of why I would leave a, a college. But I went to a culinary school in France and it was the fastest nationally accredited program I could find. So I didn't wanna do the traditional two-year culinary education with you know also English and math classes. I just wanted to learn how to cook. Uh, And so it was a six to nine month program depending on how quickly you could do it, and I ended up staying in France following uh, graduation and I was placed in a three Michelin star restaurant to stage so I worked for free for almost another six months there. And at that point, I was in so much student debt. I definitely went to France thinking I spoke French and then quickly learned.
2: <laughs> I <didn't>. And so
4: <laughs> learning it in school and then being in a restaurant is very different. But what's so neat about food, and we can get back to diapers, but is that I learned so quickly because it's such a demonstrative you know, art, and that I could really quickly watch and just become immersed in the kitchen and be able to cook. And it was sort of this natural language that was unspoken in some sense. And so when I did end up leaving France, I moved to New York uh, and went straight into a French kitchen in New York City, but ended up learning a lot more French there. But I lived in the south of France and it rained every day, and it always felt really fresh and clean because I wake up so early to go to fish markets, and you just kind of smell all day, and so this afternoon rain really was just such a fresh kind of clean start, and then uh, I just have such vivid memories of I always had an umbrella because I was always walking in the rain, and uh, when you look up an umbrella, you see sort of this imagery, in it, and that's one of the the sort of logo mark we have is when you look up at an umbrella, what it would look like open uh, because umbrellas were just protective and kept you safe. And so when I had the idea for Ploey. It was a similar feeling for me in that I left this whole career of 15 years in kitchens and in the food world to launch a business that I didn't know really much about, <laughs> and uh, and so the name is sentimental to me, and so you know because it reminds me of that similar risk, uh, but also is just sort of a, a nice obscure name. So when you think of you know branding and building a business, Chloe really can become more than a changing table. You know we often compare it to a Yeti, right, where you can then have other products under it. So Pluey is a Pluey, but Pluey is also the business name. Uh, And so when you look actually at the logo, there is a raindrop in the I and sort of in the P. Um, That was a very long answer to your question.
1: All right. Well, here's what I appreciate. Um, Also, (laughs) I'm going to call Baloney on the um, first thing you said, which was cultured, we are not. And then you're like, you know, I like lived in France for a while. And then like, I kicked around New York for a little bit. Like, <laughs> you know, I've lived in Ohio. but like, <laughs> I mean, I like it. I will say I it was, I, and I
4: I ended up going back to, to college, like a traditional college um, in my late 20s. I went to NYU while I was working full time, um, actually at that point for Martha Stewart. But I had such an interesting experience because it felt very different than a lot of my friends. But I, when I went back to school, it was with a lot of people much older doing something similar. And so it's a very interesting way for me to kind of go through a college uh, a career, I guess.
1: Okay, first question. You worked with Martha Stewart. Did I hear you say that? I did. Okay, I want to know. And I love <laughs> Martha. Don't get me wrong. I just want to know, did you ever bring her bread in prison? I just like... <laughs>
3: <laughs> no
4: she she went to jail when I was in high school oh
1: okay okay well wow. uh,
4: she referred to it quite often she called it Yale um <laughs> she went to Yale and she actually named one of her dogs after her inmate which she talked a lot about oh, uh, and so no I, I was never part of that chapter of her life okay that
1: second I- question did you ever get to meet <laughs> Snoop Dogg because I hear they're no. like best friends
4: <laughs> and I feel like I was right in the middle I like I didn't get the fun of the jail and I certainly um would like to see her around Snoop but I will say something incredible about her is she is is very authentic so when you see her on social media you know she is doing it which you can she gets a lot of slack for it sometimes but you know I do believe they're they're likely very good friends and it's not just sort of a facade of a partnership I think they're probably pretty close
1: that's awesome yeah. Um, so Brittany, how do you, um, fold into all of this? Like, did you guys know each other? Like you also like, tell us about your like background, all that sort of stuff. Like, um, yeah, yeah,
3: sure. So Addie and I did not know each other before this. And I often tell people, I think that's what makes us work together so well is we didn't come to this relationship, you mm-hmm. know, with prior baggage or history. So we were actually introduced through, a mutual mom friend who is also a colleague of mine. Um, my background is really deep in product development. I designed fitness equipment for a number of years. Um, and then I pivoted from fitness to fishing and managed a fishing boat business based out of Minnesota. So very different. It was like protein shakes to (laughs) beer and potato chips. So very different cultures. Um, But I was a a new mom. I was traveling all over the world with a one-year-old at home. I just graduated from the Kellogg School of Business. So talk about like dark circles and and lots of coffee intake, you know, working full time, a new mom, going to school. And it was a lot. Um, And I was looking for an opportunity that would, you know, allow me to just stay kind of in my home base of Chicago And this friend said, you have got to meet Addie. She has this amazing idea. Um, She's starting this business and is looking for kind of her co-founder, her right-hand woman. And we met for coffee and it was just like a one hour meeting that turned into five hours. And by the time we were leaving, we actually took a picture of the two of us (laughs) in front of the diaper changing table in the coffee shop restroom.
1: No. And so
3: still have that picture. So that was two years ago. It was right before the world shut down. You know, it was like, I think it was the week before, you know, our daycare shut down. We brought our kids home from school. And I mean, talk about a, a, a way to quickly get to know each other. It was like starting a business during a pandemic as moms, you know, navigating the challenges of the unknown. It was it was a it brought us together really quickly.
2: Yeah, I'll bet.
1: I'll bet
2: where were like, what, like, what was the state of the business at that point? Like when you came on and obviously the pandemic kind of shook everybody's jobs and, and home lives and stuff, but like, you know, I guess, you know, rewind like 24 months, like where, what was the state of the business at that point?
4: Yeah. So we were in a really good position actually, because so I had the idea for Pluey in 2018. Uh, my son was about nine months old and we were out at a fast casual burger restaurant. He had a blowout. Uh, and it was my first time really changing a diaper in a public space, and I I had to change it because my husband went into the men's room and there was no changing table there. And so right away I was intrigued by that and just sort of surprised. You know, is this a thing? I, I just didn't really think about it until I was a mom. And so what after it felt like an eternity of me in the bathroom changing Cooper, I got back to the table and said to my husband, you know, why are these so outdated? Why are they so uncomfortable and dirty? Uh, and I think we can make a better one. And so I was working full-time in a test kitchen. I had recently competed on the Food Network and was writing cookbooks. And my favorite job in my culinary career was designing and developing food products for large CPG groups. So the next Starbucks beverage, Doritos, potato chip. I've had my fair share of Doritos. Um, and so uh, I, I Side note, this sorry to
1: interrupt. For- 3D Doritos are the best thing that was ever made.
2: <laughs> are they still around? <laughs> They're back.
4: They really are. <laughs> Uh, and I, looked, fun fact, they we had to create Doritos products, a pipeline for years out, but they would not give us the powder because it was so proprietary. So here they are hiring us to create Doritos products, but they wouldn't even let us test it with their Doritos powder, so we did make our own, which was really interesting. And that's how protective they are of. It was like they thought I was going to like sell it on the street <laughs> Like The black
3: market <laughs> for bags Doritos, of Doritos
4: powder. <laughs> you got the stuff. Um, <laughs> So it was, I, I loved this, this job, but I had this innovation itch. I understood design thinking, the importance of consumer research. Certainly never thought I would be creating a baby product, but uh, I was so intrigued that day. And, and that night we got home, you know, we had a drink and my husband and I both were like, wow, this is so interesting, right? It's, it's Koala Care is sort of the only player and the only player in a huge market. There are 4 million public restrooms in the United States alone. And so right away, truly that day, Uh, we decided, okay, let's put in a little bit of our own money, a couple thousand dollars and see what what this could be. And that snowballed quickly when we did, again, continue to recognize this big opportunity. And so really all of sort of 2018 and 19, I worked with an industrial designer, uh, a logo and sort of branding designer. And I'll never forget, I had this logo before I had a product, which, um, you know, there really is sort of an importance though in designing the entire thing. It's a holistic approach to creating something that you want to put out into the world. And so we've been very lucky that this brand can grow because of that work sort of really way too early on in some sense. But so we had the design. I then worked with an engineer and that's where things became a little more expensive. It was getting, okay, this is becoming more and more real because I was cooking full time. So I would make about 50, 60 recipes a week. Uh, in the kitchen. I have my baby at home. And then it was really this nights and weekends sort of passion project that became more and more real. The more we recognized the need to invest more into it, you know, it was really, it was risky in that we were not able to talk to consumer or to, to customers, right? I, people said, no, well, go ask Starbucks if they would, if they would buy this. And it's like, what, what am I going to show like a piece of paper? And so, It was 2019, we filed our utility patent, which is really exciting uh, that we were granted in 2021. And I was pregnant with my daughter. And so I uh, recognized the opportunity to raise my first round of funding while on maternity leave with her. And thought, okay, if I can raise at least half a million dollars while on maternity leave from the kitchen, I can then leave my kitchen job and and do Ply full time. And so, um, in the six weeks I had off, I, I took little Claire with me, and she was always sort of on my chest in one of those carriers as I was pitching to friends, to family, to people I'd met through, you know, networking, and raised 615000 And so in January of 2020, I left my job in the kitchen and started Pluey full-time. It was, again, a really good position to be in because the capital was raised. I met Brittany, we had the fully functioning CAD files to go prototype, to go through safety and certifications to actually build the product. And then of course we were confronted by the pandemic but we were not actively selling a product because we didn't even have one. So where everything was sort of shutting down we were able to drive forward the business so much faster because we focused on the product development, the safety and certification process, actually just making these tables. And we were lucky. We found a a consulting firm here in Illinois to help do a lot of that work with us. So we were on Zoom calls um, and of course home with kids, but had a group of people helping support that. And I think as parents too, it's just... (laughs) you just became so much more efficient during the time you had because it was so limited. You know, it's like if Brittany and I had an hour and a half where our kids were both napping or something, it's like, you just actually learn to get so much done so much faster. And so it was an interesting state to be in, but, um, you know, really sort of fortunate that we were there.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So, um, you know, I, here's my, one of my questions is I, um, at any point, um, were you like, this is too much? Like, I don't know. I hear you describe this and like, that's a lot. Like, did you ever have like this major roadblock moment? And if so, like, how did you soldier through it? Cause you clearly did. Cause you're here today and all that sort of stuff. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. I just, I'm listening to you and I'm like, I wouldn't even know where to start with like half of those sorts of things. Or, um, yeah, so, like, anything like that happened? Was there any moment where you were just like, I don't know about this?
4: I think I, well, I think I was lucky that I was very naive and optimistic. We sort of joke, it was good. I didn't know how hard it was going to be, right? Um, I used to say, gosh, it was so easy designing a product against a piece of plastic, because anything we would do to these changing tables made it better, made it more comfortable and more convenient. And then recently, or not recently, but over the past two years, it's like, well, there's a reason they're just a piece of plastic, because it's very hard to design something and then bring it to market with so many other features that we successfully did. And so I think just having sort of this optimism and, again, being sort of naive to what the challenges could become was was a blessing in disguise. But you know, I'll say as an entrepreneur and and Brittany probably agrees is that I I think still every day, it's like the risk is there. Um, It's still nerve wracking. It's still almost surprising when people support us and want to invest. It's like, really? You sure? You know, it's just, I think it's still these pinch us moments and, you know, I have these patents on my desk, I want to frame and hang up, but it like makes me anxious to hang on because it's like, oh, you know, you, you just want to make sure it's going to be a success, even though we know it's going to be a success. But I think you're just constantly having those those moments. But honestly, too, I think we're so busy. You just have you just don't even think about it. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, hearing you kind of say like some of the some of the doubt or 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 you know just you know kind of this thinking like oh you know are we doing the right thing or whatever. But like I mean, you're right. Like I mean, you guys probably know this better than than we do, and I'd love to kind of hear you speak to this. Like the the you know the the changing table has probably not you know innovated much in the last thirty years. You know, I mean, it seems like it's the same thing been the same thing for a long time and it's pretty stale it's pretty vanilla um like literally that's it,
0: color
2: it yeah, <laughs> right right <laughs> so and, and i mean like you know i'm kind of you know obviously like we're, we're big fans and we understand some of the some of the self-sanitize uh you know sanitization that that comes with the with the pluey obviously like you know in the last two years like that's that's obviously really key like we're always thinking about you know sanitizing surfaces and, and things like we never have before um so I, I don't know, just to kind of hear you say this, it's like, you know, I think it's easy to kind of, you know, kind of, kind of doubt yourself, but I mean, like, it seems like it was just such a ripe opportunity and you guys took it, you know, you guys took the right approach with, with everything. And, and I think the timing of it was, was just so incredible. Um, so I don't know, just, just been my observation talking with you guys.
3: I mean, you know, from yeah. my perspective, you know, it wasn't my idea, but when I saw, you know, Addy's idea in Pluey on paper, I thought oh my gosh, every parent is going to recognize the value. And then that will translate to every customer will also recognize the value proposition of Pluie. And, you know, I remember like stopping at rest stops and airports when I was traveling, um, you know, for my career and just thinking, my gosh, like this has got to change. But I come from like fitness equipment, testing and certifications, fishing boats, design. <laughs> and Addie and I often joke, like, it's great. Addie didn't know like that side of this world, you know, the testing and certification, because maybe she wouldn't have gone forward with it. And so, I mean, Sean, your question about like doubting is that's where like once I started getting really involved, that, that was probably my fear, like the biggest hurdle is like, How are we going to make sure we go through all the testing and certification necessary to launch this as a business and as a product?
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, one of the things I think I certainly didn't think of until we had had talked and all that sort of stuff was um, you have this great idea and you've been working on it and all that sort of stuff. But that testing and certification piece, you literally could design something and you could present it to who I don't know who even who says you can do that, like testing and certification through who? who do you reach out to to do that yeah there's
3: like there's global test houses that like do this for a living um the organization that we we went through is called inner tech
1: okay but you could like be like oh i have this great idea and then like give it to them and they'd be like no this is a no this is a bad idea (laughs) and like i'm sure like there had to have been this hold your breath moment of like did it all work out like how long did that from the time that you submit all of that like how long is the waiting period on this I can't imagine it's next day, right? Like,
4: <laughs> no. And there are there are quite a few different ones, so you have to comply with ASTM, of course, design. So it's ADA compliance. So there's different sort of things you need to understand while developing the product. But you know, we understood what we had to comply with, uh, and so it wasn't as though we created it and then like crossed our fingers, hoped it, it was approved. <laughs> it was definitely um, understood in the design, but, you know, it still is nerve wracking when someone's sort of testing your baby. Right. And we shipped tables to all over the United States because different certifications were done and conducted in different places. And so, um, although we knew it complied and we knew it would pass, et cetera, it still was sort of this, like, you know, we got the email and it was like, your kid got into college or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The
4: the stamp of approval, but, Uh, uh, it was, it was a long process.
1: So one of the things that I wanna spend just a tiny a little bit of time talking about is um what you guys do in terms of your community outreach with um diaper banks and that sort of stuff, because that's something that sort of struck me. I mean it, it Pluie is still very much a business, all that sort of stuff, but I was I was thinking about this when I was driving home and um the way I would sort of describe it is Pluie is a business, but they're a business of the soul, right? Like you're also taking care of, of um your community or the communities in which you're um you know that you're in. Um so talk a little bit about some of that.
4: Yeah. So uh so my son was born in 2017 and it was um it was following a a large natural disaster hurricane in Texas. And so it was actually then when I was introduced to diaper need. And you know again prior to being pregnant or having a child I didn't think much about diapers and didn't realize how significant of a, um, you know, sort of catastrophe can be for families who don't have diapers. So they can't attend schools and daycares if they don't have enough clean diapers to go to school every day. I mean, there's just here serious implications of health and safety. And so um, I was very pregnant, very hormonal. My baby was bored. Um, and that's when I really started to try and personally become connected to diaper need. And so um, for the past, I guess now, five years, um, we as a family help support diaper banks personally. And so when um, I I joined a board in Chicago to to help end diaper need in Chicago communities, and when Pluey was, you know, becoming more part of our life, uh, it just made sense that, you know, we believe so deeply that, you know, every baby deserves a clean place to be changed and to feel that protection and safety. And so now, not only do they deserve a clean face to be changed, but a clean bottom to, to be changed into a clean diaper. And so it made sense that for every table we sell, we donate diapers to those communities because we do wanna bring our tables to different neighborhoods and not just be a table, but really, again, become this symbol of health and safety and to that business's commitment to their guest experience. And so if we can give do- diapers to different communities where we we bring Clulia, it just really made sense to us. Um, And so that's when we partnered last year with Hello Bello, and they donated based upon our quarterly sales. And so last year we donated over a thousand pounds of diapers. Hello Bello will distribute them, and then we as Cluey match that. And so it's been it's been really uh, it's been really meaningful. I think actually when you think about some of the most exciting things that have happened to us these past couple of years. It's of course a big sale or a big partnership with a customer, but delivering these diapers to these banks is like, it's really, it's really powerful. Uh, and so it's cool to see the impact. It's such a small scale because I will say one year or one day when we're selling many more changing tables, you know, with this commitment, so early on, you know, we could be really, you know, impacting change.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. And that was, um you know, that's a big component of the event that we're going to be doing um, with you guys, too, um, on May 14th um, here in Columbus at, at, uh, at North High Brewing Company at their their Bridge Park location in Dublin. And actually, Steve, you you were instrumental in, in sort of helping us figure out. So for our event, um, we are doing a diaper drive. Why don't you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, yeah, so um I don't know, coming into 2022, Sean, I mean, I, you and Matt um you know, you guys had kind of started putting your putting your heads together and we're trying to think about okay, this is this is great. We've got we've got this podcast. Um we're having a great time doing it. Um, you know what? You know what can we do more here in the community? You know what? What kind of in- impact can we can we address? Um, you know Matt, he's not here. He's got a great story about you know changing his son um, in in the hatchback of you know using the hatchback in his trunk. Um, rain's pouring down on him while he's trying to change his son's diaper. Um, and you know I think you two kind of put your heads together and said, hey, we wanna we wanna look at this and we wanna you know say, hey, we, we need to have changing tables in, in not only every men's restroom but every gender gender neutral restroom so that. You know, us, us guys aren't aren't falling into this trap again where we have to, you know, go to the backseat of a car or something to change our change our kids' diapers. So you guys had shared that with me um, and said, hey, we're, we're we're looking at doing something around changing tables and really ch- trying to drive some dialogue on that. Um, and so, you know, I was inspired, you know, I was like, Hey, this, this is great. Um, I started asking some people around town, um, and, and a friend of mine said, Hey, have you guys heard of this company Pluey? Um, and that's what ultimately got us, got us connected. Uh, I think here at the beginning of the year and, and we just kind of started having some dialogue and um, it steamrolled from there, um, you know, we kind of shared what we were trying to do here in Columbus. And I know that you guys have, have sort of targeted Columbus as a market to expand to. Um, and, and maybe we can speak to that a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we've, we've got an event on the books here for, for uh, May 14th. And, and we're excited
1: the, what, about what it. diaper bank are we working with here?
2: Yeah, yeah. So kind of in parallel with all that, we, we got connected with Bottoms Up, um, which is a great organization here. Um, they actually sponsor like the world's largest diaper drive um, it's actually the weekend before uh, our event but um, I actually just heard from from the executive director today that actually we will technically be a part of it even though we were, were, we're a week after after that regardless you can you can run a diaper drive they kind of have you know a diaper drive in a box that they can kind of help support um so we're, we're we're through their rails but we're excited to be part of that uh, event uh, technically even though they were, we're kind of a week out but um yeah and, they're and rail-
1: they serve i think how many counties do it's this? like 11 counties yeah, yeah they've, I mean, they've, they've got
2: a big footprint here in Central Ohio.
1: So I mean, there's going to be a lot of impact and stuff like that. And um, you know, on one of the uh, you know our hosting partner, if you will, the the location that that the the party will be at, the kickoff party, um, will also be um, one of the first install locations, or I, I think maybe the first install location. Um, it might even be in. Actually, is it in already, ladies?
4: It's not in yet, but it is definitely the first one. I think it's being installed on the 18th. So, Ah, okay. Any day now, and we cannot wait to see it in the space for the event.
1: Yeah. So, um, North High, um, also, for anyone who's like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't. um, North High has also agreed to give a dollar off a pint um if you bring in a pack of diapers so even if this is something that um you know doesn't really affect you this is a really nice way for you to do something good for your community and also get a dollar off a of beer so um i don't really see a downside to, to that uh personally so we're super excited that they've agreed to to sort of do that and support us in that way um and we're really hoping to make this um one of the larger sort of um diaper drives here in central ohio um so you know i'm super excited to sort of see where this goes i know we've got um some things that are kind of happening and people are, are starting to express some interest in a variety of ways um and i'm i'll be excited to see how that sort of pans out um you know one of the things we were steve um we were on a call uh, earlier today actually with uh, Columbus Parent Magazine, um, because they were kind enough to want to do a feature on what we're doing, and um, they were asking us um, what the sort of vision was for all of this, and one of the things that we had talked about today was that we were actually hoping that this will turn into, the Diaper Drive itself at least, will turn into an annual um, event, probably right around a similar sort of time every year, so that we can continue to make um, positive impact in our community because it's just a needed thing. And um, I, I said on our, uh, on our interview today that one of the number one questions I get, cause I don't have kids is like, basically like, why are you doing this? Like you don't have kids. Um, and um, we touched on this a little bit on our um, interview with, with good day Columbus, but that first and foremost, you know um, it's the right thing to do. Um, but then there are impacts for me as someone who doesn't have kids but has friends who have kids. We want to make sure it's a family friendly environment for other people to go to, right? Um, and I think, I don't know, I guess to be honest, I don't, this isn't something I really thought of beforehand. Um, well, one, you ever buy a new car or think about buying a new car and you never notice it until you've gone and you've bought it or you're thinking about buying it and then like you see it like everywhere, right? You're like, oh, there's one of those, there's one of those. I do the same thing now when I go to, um, restrooms and i'm like oh well they don't have one and now they don't have (laughs) one right so i'm playing like slug bug but in the back in the base or in the in the bathroom kind of thing but
3: um yeah you can't unsee diaper changing tables now
1: um but also the fact that like we want to change uh, choose a location that's that's family friendly for everyone so that you know matt doesn't have to stand in the pouring down rain and change his kid's diaper and come back all wet um and then the other part too that even if you sort of leave that out, what I had said to the um, to the interviewer, or the reporter, was that the world also needs people to care about things that don't directly impact them, right? And it's it's just that sort of simple, right? Um, and I think that's also an important piece, right? Like, and that kind of goes back to the diaper thing. You all, uh, I'm assuming I could be wrong because you know these things happen to all people of all shape sizes and and people that you don't know but i'm guessing that neither of you or anyone in this room was ever for lack of a better term diaper insecure i don't know what i don't know what you call it i mean like i know if you're food insecure but you've never had any challenges with that but that doesn't mean that you don't care about it and you don't say like just because it's not a challenge for me doesn't mean it's not a challenge for somebody else right so just because it's not a challenge for me to change a kid um while you know without having the necessary stuff doesn't mean it's not a challenge for other people and i think that's part of what we're also asking people to think about um we're also asking people to think about gender norms and stereotypes and um you know active parenting roles and shared parenting and those sorts of things because the other part to this too is um, it's really challenging to um or if you really stop to think about it, not really challenging, but if you stop to think about this, if your child grows up only ever having. Their diaper, particularly, I'm gonna say, sons. If your son grows up only ever having their mother change their diaper, um, you've already, we know from social science and psychology and all that stuff, you've actually already um, ingrained a message to that child that you probably don't want to ingrain to them, which is like that's mom's role, right? And that's the last thing that we that you know we're trying to sort of do. Um, so making sure that everyone has access to this is also is so, so important. And then if you're a family, a single sex family, um, that the women's room isn't an option for you, or if you're an individual that, you know, the women's room doesn't um, feel like an appropriate place for you, then you need a place to change your child. Um, and so that's where we're, you know, that's our sort of focus and where I feel like we're very missioned, mission aligned in that sort of regard. So um, we're just super excited to be able to, to work with you guys. And um, I'm not going to lie. I'm, we've, we've been talking now for months, actually. Um, and I'm very excited that I'm going to actually be able to, like, see you, say hi, like, um, face-to-face, um, have we'll a, a beer. So <laughs> um, we're very excited and, and appreciative to that. So, um, you know, my question to you guys as we kind of, like, start to wrap things up if anyone is curious about Pluie, if they're like, I'm a restaurant owner, or I, I'm just someone who thinks that this needs to be like, you know, uh, an important priority for someone, how do they, how can they find you? Where do they like, you know, how do they reach out to you guys?
4: Yeah, good question. And I love what you just said, because I think, you know, Pluie has really become more than a diaper changing table, but it is this sort of symbol that these businesses are making a commitment to that better guest experience and that it's for all families and families come in all shapes and sizes. And so they need to be in men's rooms, in gender neutral restrooms, etc. And so we found when we have these conversations with businesses that it really has become, again, more than a table, but their commitment to that. And so it's really nice to hear you kind of talk about it that way, because that's what we want Pui to become too. Um, and so if you are listening and interested in learning more about Pluey, if you're interested in purchasing a table, donating a table, joining our diaper donation efforts, you can find us at hellopluey.com. We also have Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook, Hello Please follow us, tag parents, grandparents, caregivers, aunts, uncles, anyone you think that might want to follow along on our journey. And uh, we're always here and would love to meet new people. So please feel free to reach out.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, I also liken this to, like, we've interviewed a lot of breweries and distilleries and things like that. And they're like, if you don't see our product on the shelf, ask your local distributor. And I think this is one of those situations. If you go into a place and you notice that they don't have one, I mean, kindly and respectfully ask questions. Be like, why don't you have one of these? And then I think that's a perfect opportunity to be like, actually, I saw this really, pardon my language, badass one. Um, and uh, I think you should consider getting one of those. Um, well, so, Sean,
4: that's what's really interesting is that a lot of customers we talk to say, you know, we don't really get complaints about changing tables, or, you know, people don't, you know, mention it, and so, and large companies who, like, look through databases, have they had any complaints, or places Brittany and I have both been to and we've seen the changing tables, and they're like, well, no one complains about them, and I think that's been something that's so interesting we've learned is that parents are just used to it, right? Yeah. They're used to it. The, the crappy ones, they don't complain, or, you know, a, a father goes into a men's room and there isn't one there and he just expects that, right? Because that has been the norm. And that's a conversation that needs to change. And that can come from parents, from caregivers to going into these places and saying, Hey, you guys don't have one, or you only have one in this restroom, or you could have a better one that's more comfortable and self-sanitizes. But really we're trying to bring the conversation around it because I think for so long, it's just become something we're all used to about like, we'd rather go to the car. We kind of don't expect them to be there. Um, if they're there, they might be broken or dirty and that should change. And that's where we could really use some, some help from the Columbus uh, community. And, and when you go into places, you know, talk about Pluey.
1: Well, yeah. And I think, I think to that point, one of the things that, you know, I think people, a lot of times, like you said, like kind of like shrug their shoulders and they're like, okay, like whatever. That's what I, I kind of expect. Um, and, and, I think like you said it's it's a bigger problem that than is what what's being discussed because for whatever reason people just don't talk about it. They just kind of like they're like okay, whatever and the goal here is to have a conversation around this. Um and that is the biggest piece. Um and I think what struck me is um if I walk into a restroom and the restroom is I won't get into detail because we don't need to, but gross. We'll just say gross, right? I would say most people, maybe not all, but a lot of people would have no problem being like, I just want you to know your restroom's kind of gross. You need to send someone in to clean it.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Your baby can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that like that sounds so silly, but that's true. Like your baby can't go to the manager and say that table you just put me on was rickety and gross and it didn't feel clean and safe. Right. And so as much as we advocate for our children in so many other ways, this is an opportunity for you to advocate for your child's health and safety in a really small and simple way um, that I think often just kind of gets overlooked because of what you said of. People, that's just what people come to sort of expect. But if you, as a as an adult, expect a clean, safe bathroom experience, then your child ex- should expect and deserve deserves the exact same experience, um, uh, baby changing table or not, right? Um, and so I think if you start to view it in that way, is this a situation that I would be comfortable sitting in or being in, or not? If you go, yeah, it then I guess you have nothing to sort of say. But if, if you feel like it could, could be better and you would speak up on your own behalf, then do it for your kids' behalf because that's what that's what part of what being a parent is, is, is advocating for your child. And that oftentimes we talk about adv- advocating for your child, honestly around school age. Um, but that advocating part starts so much earlier, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I think that's part of Part of the sort of thing, you know, helping maybe reframe what the problem is. Um, And there is a problem there. Um, And that doesn't mean that like the places where there's a problem, it can't be fixed or, you know, that there are bad establishments or anything like that. Because like you said, maybe they don't have the data on it. Maybe they don't realize those sorts of things. Um, So um, thank you so, so much for talking with us. Um, This is awesome. On our note, Steve. Oh, this is the test. Steve, where can everyone find information on us?
2: Oh, wow. So we have uh, the. Dad, well what's the url is it the dadasspodcast.com uh-huh. that's yeah. the official url um so we've got every all the information on the uh Dadvocate campaign
1: and there's a nice little drop down menu there oh
2: right? yeah 100% yeah and then i mean the 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 dad blog cbus dads is, is within that main navigation too and you can um we've posted some recent stuff about about this campaign and what we're trying to do here but um yeah go to go to dadasspodcast.com that's that's where all the information is on what we're trying to do here
1: and and social media where where can they find us on social media? Oh, well,
2: we're, yeah, D- Dadass Podcast is on Instagram, Facebook. Um...
1: And come on, don't forget it. Twitter? No. Well, yeah, but we don't do anything there. It's, just, as Matt likes to say, top 50 um, uh, hottest platforms of 2020. TikTok? No. MySpace,
2: man. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: totally true. Still have a MySpace account, or not still. We created one. It's the ultimate dad joke. Also, it's not a lie. Apparently did make some obscure list of the top 50 best, um, social media platforms, despite the fact that I'm pretty sure there's not even 50 social media platforms, (laughs) but It's it's fine. Um, yeah. So, um, if this sounds like something that you might be interested in, please go check all of those out. Um, additionally, um, just to sort of throw it out there one more time, May 14th at, um, the Bridge Park location of North High Brewing Company. We're going to have a big kickoff campaign. Um, if you're like, I wonder if this changing table is correct, all it's cracked up to be, you can, in <laughs> fact, um, my dream is that there's like a long line of people who are just like, I don't even think my kid needs their diaper changed, but I just <laughs> yeah. got to try this out, right? Um,
2: or people that haven't changed their kid's diapers all morning. You know, yeah, no, I don't
1: like advocate them. for that. Please change your child's <laughs> <laughs> diaper.
4: Come test drive. <laughs> yeah, blooming.
1: but come, yeah. come for a test drive, yeah. Um, so join us, please bring a pack of diapers. If you, if that's something that you can afford to do. Um, we're also trying to encourage, uh, people within the community to, um, if you, if you know you're going to come see if you can get your neighbors to donate a bunch of diapers and bring them down. Um, and we're going to, all of that's going to get added to, um, the world's largest diaper drive. Um, so all of our numbers and stuff like that will count. And we're super excited to sort of have that happen and this is a saturday so make it a nice little saturday afternoon it's from two to five um there's gonna be some just a a lot of fun Uh, people are gonna have the opportunity to sit with with all of us and share their worst um diaper changing stories Mm -hmm. um i can't wait to see how gross that gets um (laughs) so um but thank you very much for listening whoever you are wherever you're listening from um the other thing that helps out a whole lot is giving us a rating on um itunes podcast um five stars is great four stars is fine three stars is just expected we're not that good um you know mediocre at best is in our title um but no really anything you can do to sort of help uh, us out because we are a a a local um independently operated podcast so um you know i hope to see everybody out there and i'll let you close it out How's it go? Well,
2: I mean, geez, we didn't—they didn't do their mom jokes.
1: Oh, you almost got out of it. <laughs> almost. Good catch, Steve.
2: I've been—I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this. All
1: right, I gotta hear. Did you each come with a mom joke?
4: I have a—I have one.
1: All right. All right. Let's hear it, Daddy.
4: When does a mom joke become a mom joke? Hmm. Hmm. Or a dad joke become a dad joke?
2: Oh, this can be either or.
1: I don't know. I, I have a history that if I can figure it out, I will 100% ruin it. But honest to goodness, I really can't. I can't. I don't know. Tell me. Yeah, I got nothing.
4: When it becomes apparent. <laughs> oh,
2: oh, oh, that's good.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm mad. I heard that one before. Just, I couldn't recall it. All right. Um, Brittany, you got one?
3: Oh, sure. So with Mother's Day on the horizon, um, here's the joke. So two jokes. What kind of flowers are best for Mother's Day? Hmm.
1: What kind of flowers are best for Mother's Day? Hmm. Give me a second. My flower uh, knowledge base is a little low at the current moment. (laughs) I don't know. Mums. Oh, that was so (laughs) obvious. I was like,
3: kind of a fall flower though I was like, and then why was the house so neat on mother's day
1: why was the house so neat on mother's day i mean it's because it's mother's day don't be a jerk i don't know
3: because <laughs> <laughs> the mom spent all day saturday cleaning it <laughs> 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 which addy and i can really relate to that. Oh, oh
1: man that's amazing Oh man. all right you know what i'm glad you caught that um <laughs> I feel like this is just a perfect place um, for us to end. So um, until next time.
2: This is all you.
1: Stay strong, dadass.